your Locked On Longhorns, your daily podcast on the Texas Longhorns. Hey, welcome to a Monday edition of the Locked On Longhorns podcast. I'm your host, Patrick Gunn. You can follow me on Twitter at Pat Sports Guy. Follow my co-host joining me now, Cammie, at Cammie and G. Follow the show, LO underscore Longhorns. And remember, this episode of Locked On Longhorns is brought to you by Built Bar. Head over to BuiltBar.com. Use the promo code Locked On to get $10 off any box that you your first box so if you want you know 18 of your favorite flavor or a collection of different flavors check them out uh cammy it is monday and i gotta say i'm a little bit i'm a little bit sad this morning why what happened they showed the final episodes of the last dance last night and now oh. like, <laughs> now what am i supposed to do I have you watched all of them? I was waiting for them all to come out kind of um at once, like on Netflix or something. No, or they're done. Just somewhere else stream it. Yeah. They're done now. Um so you if you got you know ESPN plus, go check it out. You can watch all of them. I plan to. I plan to watch them all at once because there's a lot of good feedback surrounding yeah. it. And I, I wasn't too aware of his career at the time. Obviously, I was really young. So I'm looking forward to getting it all. Um, out of the way kind of in a day or two yeah I grew you know when when I was growing up they didn't show Mavericks on TV so there was a lot of Chicago Bulls watching because I was watching WGN so like it was funny because growing up they didn't show Rangers either so I watched a lot more Chicago Cubs and Atlanta Braves games because they were on like WGN and TNT and TBS all the time mm-hmm. so like I grew up watching those guys so you know it was interesting to kind of go back and and revisit and hear some of the stories of, of Michael Jordan and, and that team, just how crazy they were. And, um, you know, it, it was great. I, I loved every minute of it. So it's just unfortunate now. I'm like, now what am I supposed to do? Yeah, I mean, that was kind of the one thing that people are looking forward to each week in terms of like an actual sporting event or um, an appealing one at that. So. Yeah, I don't know. Hopefully we'll have some coming on soon. I know NASCAR and golf and all that slowly making its return, which isn't that um, appealing or big or attractive or whatever, but that's a great first step in terms of other sports returning. Right. You know, the the golf thing I can understand and NASCAR, like, don't get me wrong. Like, I understand that people like NASCAR. Me personally, I don't, but I get it. And I think it is a positive step, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, and you've got people recently, you know, Joel Klatt coming out thinking he's going to there's going to be college football. I think there's going to be college football in some sort of capacity. I just don't know if it's going to be the full capacity that we were expecting. Uh, might be an eight or nine game schedule for the Big 12 playing only their conference teams. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I hope that's not the case because I'm really looking forward to Texas LSU. I've never been to Baton Rouge, so I'm excited about that. Uh, yeah, that, that's a game I'm looking forward to as well. I think. Regardless of how they go about this, I think they're going to play the full schedule. I don't see how they don't. I just don't know in terms of when it's going to start or the um, attendance type of thing. So. Yeah, and the Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick recently wrote a opinion piece over editorial piece on DallasNews.com, and he talked a little bit about it as far as uh, they could use a computer algorithm to determine where people sit. Uh, oh, yeah. You know, so I, you know, I thought he had some good ideas. And, you know, um, I know a lot of people are like, oh, I don't really care for his politics. And I'm like, I, I don't care about the politics side. I'm just looking at the sports side here. You mm-hmm. know, what is he saying? Does it make sense? It's not far fetched. You know, and it's a great way. He said, even at 30% capacity, 
there will be enough fans there that can make noise. And it made me think, what would DKR, Texas Memorial Stadium, look look like with 30,000 people in it? And that's it. Yeah. But, I mean, think about them playing with no fans. So I'm on board with the whole 30% um, or really just family and, uh, I guess, staff and things like that that are attending the games. But I don't know. I think as long as football is played in some capacity and they play the full schedule out, regardless of when they play it, I'd be happy with that. I think the the one that we're going to have to watch for is going to be baseball. Um, Because I think they're the ones that are going to, I kind of feel like they're going to be the guinea pigs. Yeah. You're talking about MLB, right? Yeah. I'm talking about MLB. Uh, I think they're going to be the guinea pigs because there's a lot of talk about, because they're seeing the KBO and, you know, the Korean baseball organization and, and they're kind of playing and they're broadcasting the games on ESPN and stuff. So you're getting a little bit to see kind of what baseball could look like and, so I don't think it's far-fetched to think baseball is going to happen. And they kind of gave a soft deadline of like July 4th. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, six weeks away, we could be talking about baseball back on our televisions. Um, yeah, you know, so. I'm curious because today is when actually some gyms and um, I guess higher capacity maybe in some aspects of places that um, – our opening, I guess. So we're kind of making steps towards normalcy. I'm just curious to see um, if those are successful steps, if it kind of puts us back or not, or kind of how it progresses on from here. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how it progresses on. That's going to be the big thing. Uh, but I wanted to get into another What If Monday right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. We're all doing What If scenarios. And Kami, I got one for you. Shoot it. What if Nick Saban would have came to Texas after the 2012 season? Uh, I think it's easy to say that he would have won um, at least one national championship by now. Because I know that was around the 2012 um, offseason when that was kind of the big storyline. And I do think he was actually interested. I've read several stories on it, even years after the fact that he was um, actually interested in that, even though um, he had just led Alabama to winning um, another national championship there at Alabama. But I... I wish, and I think this goes along with everyone, I think everyone hoped he would land at Texas in some way or um, regardless of when. But um, I know there was just kind of some drama with Mac Brown at the time, and I don't know exactly what happened, but I think it was more on the politics side than anything else because I know the Longhorns would have given him whatever he wanted to get him here. So um, I'm not sure exactly what went down, but that would have been a program changer for sure. And they would have got their return on investment because, like you said, he would have won at least one national championship. But it makes me question if Nick Saban would have came to Texas, would Texas be the team that everybody hates, kind of like everybody hates Alabama right now? I think so, but I think they already are or were that team. It's just kind of like the Cowboys, right? So whether they're good or they're bad, people hate them because, um, I don't know, they're getting a lot of marketing or they're always being talked about or things like that, or everyone thinks they're their rival, even though they're not. Kind of like West Virginia thinks Texas is their rival, and um, we really could care less about them. But I I think it's just kind of uh, the territory that the Longhorns are in, regardless of whether they're good or bad. So I think from a sense that uh, they keep winning, like no one can beat them, like kind of how we view Alabama right now. Yeah, sure. I just think it'd be a little um, heavier at Texas just due to um, everyone disliking them or loving them. So it just gives me kind of like an America's team vibe, but for college football. You know, I think a lot of it had to do with the fact that they have their own network. 
Yeah. Being the only college football team in America that has their own network. I mean, obviously you have SEC network, you have the Big Ten network. Um, you know, so it's kind of like, you know, conferences have networks, and then you look at Texas, and they're like, oh no, we have the Longhorn network. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know that kind of didn't sit well with a couple other programs, but I mean, just think back on it. They've, I don't know. I think every school in some ways usually talking about Texas, whether they um, dislike them, whether they're rivals, whatever else. So um, just like that, I guess, picture we saw shared around on Twitter the other day, how an Oklahoma fan went and bought a UT emblem to put on his car just so he could turn it upside down. So it's like even just Texas being there present in some way, whether they're actually relevant, good, bad, whatever, people are still talking about them. So they're just going to be that team moving forward. Yeah. If you want to see the photo that she's referring to go to at Hellman, H E L M A N D C. Uh, that's Dave Hellman who writes for the Dallas Cowboys. He posted it. Uh, <laughs> it's funny because he said, this is the exact, this is like the visual representation of rent free. Yep. We're always and, in their mind. The funny thing to me is, and not to totally get off subject here, but the funny thing to me is you're willing to pay money to buy an emblem. So you're going to give money to the University of Texas so you can take their emblem and flip it upside down. I've exactly. Never and even uh, fans on TV or whatever they're doing with the horns down, like they're still bringing marketing. They're still talking about Texas. They're still um, helping the Longhorns. Case. I don't know. It just seems funny to it, me how... It's like, it's just I, nonstop. I get it, right, with, um, like, Oklahoma. I can understand the horns down, right? Because Texas and Oklahoma, that's the rivalry. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Oklahoma has a rivalry, an in-state rivalry with Oklahoma State, but I still don't think that's even on the same level of a Texas and OU. Oh, no way, yeah. Like, to me, like, when you think college rivalries, uh, Michigan, Ohio State, Alabama, Auburn, Texas, OU. Those are like the the three big ones that I think of. Right. Um, you know, so I can understand why OU does it. It's like when you see the other schools doing it, you know, an Oklahoma State or a, or a Baylor doing it or, you know, just any of those other teams in the Big 12 doing it. It's kind of like, what are y'all doing? Yeah, I agree. I think it – I don't know. And it's different in terms of the Longhorns. Like their case that they can argue is – um, for example, our biggest rival is OU. We just kind of take a shot at them and chants and cheers and things like that. It's not necessarily that um, we're uh, helping their marketing or their school or anything along those lines in any way. So I don't know. I just think it's funny. And like I mentioned, it, it's very similar to how people view Cowboys fans in the NFL. I, I would agree that it's very much like that. And, you know, Obviously, there's a lot of hate towards Texas, and you know Texas just got to, you know, it's kind of like, um, kind of like the Star Wars with uh, Emperor Palpatine. He's like, let the hate flow through you. Texas just got to embrace being the enemy and just go out there with a big smile on their face and continue yeah. to do what they're doing. All right, but coming up next, uh, we're gonna get into another what if scenario. But first, I want to tell you about Built Bar, Cami. I don't know about you, quarantine fifteen, quarantine twenty. You got to find a way to combat it. And a great thing to do is to get something healthy. How about a healthy candy bar, as I like to call it? The Built Bar. Uh, I had another mint brownie this morning. It was fantastic. Uh, you can get your own mint, mint brownie bars at builtbar.com. Use the promo code LOCKED ON. 
you're talking about seven times less sugar, seven times less carbs, only 100 calories, 15 grams of protein, give you that energy you need. Because, uh, Kami, I know you like to get your workout in every day, and sometimes you need – you got to recover, right, right after that workout. Yeah, that's not, extremely important. So why not do it with a Bill Bar? You get that protein, not a whole lot of sugar. And the great thing about them is, you know, when you talk about something that doesn't have a lot of sugar – or if they say sugar-free or fat-free, it's got that funky aftertaste. There's no chalky taste. There's no gritty taste. You don't even have to wash this thing down. You can eat it. Go about your day. Go to BuiltBar.com. Use the promo code LOCKDOWN to get $10 off your first box. You can get one of their pre-ordered boxes, or you can get your own, build your own box. So head on over to BuiltBar.com. Use the promo code LOCKDOWN. All right, Cammy. so... Before uh, the break, we talked a little bit about if Nick Saban would have came here and kind of what that would have meant. I think, obviously, they would be, you know, top of the conference. Everybody would be looking up to them, uh, kind of like they did, you know, in, in the early to mid-2000s. Uh, but here's another what if. What if they would have went with Shane Bouchel over Sam Ellinger? Yeah, that I think about this quite often, actually, because for a while I thought it was about a 50-50 race. I mean, it was a lot tighter than uh, people probably give it credit for. Michelle um, really did nothing wrong in terms of that position battle. Um, I think they just went with Ellinger in terms of his leadership, kind of that physical nature. Um, he didn't really. He was kind of consistent, didn't really miss any games. Um, and he was showing improvement year over year, so that was big as well. And I don't think they probably would, I guess you can call it success because it's been a few winning seasons and a couple of big bowl games and things like that. I don't necessarily think they would have won as many games with Bouchelle just because of the style of nature that Ellinger has has kind of taken over games. Um, he just kind of runs through people, and I don't think Bouchelle is kind of that type of player. But Bouchelle is a better um, quarterback in the air, in my opinion. I think he's a little bit more accurate than Sam Ellinger is. I think he has a prettier deep ball, for example. So it's kind of a give and take between the two, but – I ultimately think Herman made the right decision and I'm happy Bouchelle is having so much success at um, SMU and he'll probably go off again uh, this upcoming season for his last year. Yeah. You talk about back in 2016, uh, Bouchelle had, you know, 21 touchdowns. He had 11 interceptions. He had a long of, you know, uh, what was it? 80 yards, 80 yard touchdown pass, mm-hmm. uh, you know, threw for almost 3000 yards this past season at SMU. He threw for almost 4,000 with 34 touchdowns, you know, so, um, you know, and a very high completion percentage at 62, almost 63%. So obviously like you were saying, he, he's accurate. Uh, he's the better passer, but I think that's the thing is with Ellinger, if, if it would have been Bouchelle starting, then mm-hmm. it definitely would be less of the running style right and more of the pure pocket passer which i think in the offense that they want to run and and maybe under mike yursich that would work a little bit more mm-hmm. um but i think uh given that ellinger is the more physical runner i think is where that kind of gave him that edge and you know i say with mike yursich but then you got to go back and think he he just came off a team that had justin fields and uh, jk dobbins right so obviously the physical aspect of running the football uh, will still be there. But during his time at Oklahoma state, he had the more traditional pocket passing quarterbacks. Uh, so, you know, he, I think he can work either way, but uh, you know, I, it's tough for me because looking back, I thought it was Shane Bouchelle's job uh, just 
given that because of what he brought, his intangibles, right? You talk about the passing, uh, leadership from the pocket. Now, I would give it to Ellinger that he's the better overall leader, mm-hmm. but it, just talking about a in a passing league like the Big 12, I would think you'd want to go with the better passer. Yeah, well, I honestly, my personal opinion is that if Charlie Strong were to stay at Texas, it would be Bouchelle. I think Bouchelle was Strong's number one option. Uh, Herman obviously favored Ellinger a bit, but um, I think that's kind of a preference. Like we both mentioned, they both can be successful um, in this college football league, and they both are really great men on and off the field. Um, I know Bichelle's kind of more of a quiet leader. Ellinger's a little bit more vocal, but um, they obviously do a lot for their communities, and they're two guys that you would want leading your program, so I'm sure that was not an easy decision to make. Yeah, I don't think it would have been an easy decision either. Um, It's just, you know, tough with everything that you know, went on, like you said, Charlie Strong, it was, you know, Bouchelle was his guy, you get a new head coach in, and we, and we all know when you change head coaches, you know, your jobs are on the yeah, line. No one's job is safe. Right, you know, because they're going to bring their guys in, you know, whether it's, you know, an incoming, you know, freshman class or uh, like like in the pros, for instance, right? You get a new head coach, they're going to bring in their staff, some of their players that may be free agents or maybe they'll trade for them. You know, they're going to go with the guys that they're comfortable with. So I just think maybe Ellinger was more of a comfort thing for Herman. Having seen both, knowing what Herman wanted to do offensively, that's why it was Ellinger's job. So I I honestly think Bouchelle kind of got pushed out because Charlie Strong got pushed out. Yeah, it was more of an unlucky um, thing for him. But I don't want to discredit what Ellinger did either. Um, He showed up in big games, even as a true freshman. So um, I think he kind of deserved that role. But if you look at it from Bouchelle's angle, it just kind of seems unlucky. Yeah, it did seem unlucky. And and I'll tell you what, the the game that I – the reason why I thought Bouchelle was going to be it was uh, going back to that game against Notre Dame. Oh, yeah. In Austin. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, he, he made some fantastic throws in that game. And that's why I was really looking at it like, okay. I said, this must be, you know, this is Bouchelle's team. Yeah, I agree. And I was actually at that game and I was surprised because um, that was, I believe, the first game of the year, correct, for him as a true freshman? Yeah, I think that was his first game. Yeah. Yeah. And I think everyone kind of had the sense of, oh, he's our guy. He's our future quarterback, things like that. And then, um, obviously the end of that season didn't turn out as well as one would have hoped. And so, I don't know, that just brings all kinds of question marks. You have to look at everyone, the coaching, the starting quarterback, um, every single position on the team. And so, um, like I mentioned, I think it was just kind of unlucky for Bouchelle. I think he had the talent to be a starter there and a successful starter at that. But um, I don't want to discredit Ellinger either because I think he deserved the job. So I hope they both do well. Yeah, and you talked about them being leaders and, and quality men of the of the community. And, you know, recently uh, Bouchelle raised $50,000 that he gave to the city of Dallas. So that just shows you the kind of leader that he can be, um, you know, much like Ellinger, who's looking to raise a million dollars. I know he's over 100000 at this point. So, you know, it just shows you, you know, the impact that they're having on their communities. And those are definitely good guys you want to build your program around. I agree. All right, but coming up next, we're going to get into our last what-if question of the show. All right, Cammie, so our final what-if scenario, what if Jamal Charles would have came back for his senior year? 
talk about a guy who had a pretty awesome final year. But if you look at his overall numbers, what he did at the college level, he was really, really good. Uh, he had 6.2 yards per touch. Uh, or I'm sorry, yards per carry, 6.6 yards per touch, almost 40 touchdowns in three years. If he would have returned to that 2018, are we talking about a team that would have beat Tech in that game in 2008? Are we talking about a team that probably would go on to play against Tim Tebow in the BCS National Championship? Yeah, I think so, but especially when you mentioned the the tech, uh, I guess match. So when I think the primary reason they lost that game was their defense, but at the same time, if you have someone consistently running the ball for you, you're going to keep your defense off the field. And so I think that would have just played in, and even without Jamal Charles, look how closer they should have gone to that national championship. Put it that way, they were just one of the best teams in the nation that season. They just happened to have a down game. But I think if you do add him in there and um, Charles is the leading carrier instead of uh, Colt McCoy, who's your starting quarterback, obviously that's going to make a world of a difference. So, yeah, I think they definitely would have probably made the national championship if he were to return. Talked about that a little bit, right? But if you go back to that game, if you remember, uh, Texas only had 18 first downs and ran for 80 yards in that game. Yeah. Um, And you you talked a little bit about it. I mean, if you look at the the sheer numbers – Tech should have destroyed Texas, if you look at it. They had 31 first downs in that game. They had almost 600 yards of offense. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so when you look at that, I mean, Tech should have destroyed them. But I think had he played, they wouldn't have got off to such a slow start. Because if you remember correctly, Texas didn't score their first points until there was five and a half minutes left in the first half. Uh, uh, when Hunter Lawrence got his 43-yard field goal. I mean, mm-hmm. um, and then they would score again with a field goal right at the end of the half to, you know, put six points up. They were down 22-6 to six at halftime. You uh, know, so I mm-hmm. think if you factor that in, I think that they probably are a lot closer in that game, if not winning. Uh, because I think it was it uh, Vondrell McGee was their starting running back? Um, or, I can't remember correctly. But, um, you know, when you, when you look at that, that's that's what I'm saying. Like, if you had him playing in that game, I think he he probably – they probably win that game. Yeah, uh, yeah they had – no, they had uh, they had uh, Fozzie Whitaker, Chris Obanaya, and Vondrell McGee in that game running the ball. Uh, yeah, imagine that. Yeah. And Cole yeah. wasn't able to run that game either because he had 13 carries for only 16 yards. So. Yeah, Cole just had an off game in general that game, which, I mean, it's bound to happen eventually. But that's why you need other um, talented players to kind of pick up your quarterback when he does have a bad game. And I think that definitely would have kept their defense off of the field, who was also um, unable to stop Tech's offense. So, yeah, I think it would have made a world of a difference for them. Yeah, and, and you know, it's interesting because you because you look back, and even I was a little bit shocked when I looked back, and I saw the numbers that Charles put up on his junior year alone. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, at 1,600 yards just running the ball. Um, you know, add another couple hundred more yards receiving, you know, almost, you know, 1,800 yards of offense, yards from scrimmage. Um, you know, I, and I think it only would have been better if he would have came back the next season and been kind of the featured guy. Obviously, I don't fault him for going to the NFL when he did. Uh, but at the same time, um, had he come back, I think it made a world, it would have made a world of difference for, for Texas offense in, in that entire 2008 season. 
Yeah, I agree. And he was actually drafted later than I thought. I believe Charles was drafted in the third round. Correct me if I'm wrong. But um, I for sure think if he would have returned one more season and um, had another uh, probably just as successful season, which would be hard to do. But if he had two consistent seasons like that, then there's no doubt he would have been a first round draft pick. And obviously it didn't matter too much because he had such a successful NFL career, even though um, it took a year or two to get going there as well um, in order to kind of take over and uh, be the lead back, kind of like what happened to him at Texas. But um uh, yeah, that's that's a tough one to think about because I just feel like Colt McCoy kind of um, was unlucky in that sense throughout his whole collegiate career. But um, he really did carry the Longhorns um, all four of his years he was playing. So I feel bad that um, he didn't actually get to win one, but um, he had a successful career nonetheless. Yeah, uh, so Jamal Charles was a third-round pick, 73rd pick overall by Kansas City. Um, he was a three-time All-Pro in the NFL. Uh, two times he was on the first team in 2010 and 2013, and second team in 2012. You know, he had a really, like, a, a good five- or six-year run where um, I know I drafted him every year on my fantasy team because I knew Jamal Charles was about oh, to yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and he was uh, so speedy. Yeah. And, and did you know that he holds two NFL records? Oh, he does hold one for, I think, the most uh, rush yards in a game. Is that one of them? Most rushing yards in a quarter, 165. Oh, yeah, something like that. Jeez. In one quarter, he had 165 yards rushing. You know, those are the types of numbers I put up when I play Madden on my uh, PlayStation. Those are the types yeah. of numbers I do. Um, and, and he's still the Chiefs all-time leading rusher, I believe. I would have so, to look that up. but that He's, ha- he's had a lot of accolades, yeah. Uh, how about this? He owns the NFL record for career yards per carry for a running back at 5.4. Jeez. So you give him the ball twice, you got a first down every time. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's and, and it kind of did seem that way. <laughs> yeah, it did. Uh, you know, he played for Kansas City until 2016, one year at the Broncos, and then once with the Jaguars, uh, last playing in 2018. But yeah, I mean, I think if he stays, given his ability, I think 2008 is a completely different season. Yeah, I just can't help but think about how fun a Colt McCoy and Tim Tebow matchup in the national championship would have been. Uh, a lot better than having to watch Oklahoma play. I know. But, yeah, there's a lot of what ifs or what could have been. But It's I mean, funny. I have, a, I have a funny story about that. What? The national championship 2008 was that happened the night my daughter was born. Cool. And we, uh, me and and my daughter's mom, uh, my wife at the time, we were at this hospital in in Texoma. So we're right on the Texas Oklahoma border. How cool is that? And every time that a nurse who was an OU fan would come into the room, my ex at the time would do the the gator chomp at her every time that she'd walk in. <laughs> it was the funniest yeah. thing. That's pretty funny. I can't imagine being in the hospital for that type of um, life milestone when something like that's going on. That would be fun. Yeah, so we did definitely enjoy watching the game. Uh, like you said, though, too bad it wasn't Texas playing in that game. But that's going to do it for this edition of the Lockdown Longhorn Podcast. Uh, now, tell your smart device to play the latest edition of the Locked On Big 12 podcast. For Tammy, I'm Patrick. We'll see you on Wednesday.
حکم